You already know the fun of King's Island. Blue ice cream for lunch, catching your breath between screams on the beast. But this summer at King's Island, this is 50. Don't miss their 50th anniversary celebration all summer long with new shows, new food, and new fun. It's King's Island's biggest summer yet. And the fun doesn't stop once the sun goes down. The nighttime spectacular lights up the sky with fireworks, pyrotechnics, and drones. A perfect reason to stay up past bedtime. Make plans now at visitkingsisland.com. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host. I'm your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction, and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon.exxonradiotv.com is my email address. And if you'd like to check out the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Linda S. Godfrey. She is a researcher and investigator of Wolfman. Bigfoot and other cryptids for 27 years, is the author of 18 published books on strange phenomena and people such as The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf, Real Wolfmen, The True Encounters in Modern Arizona's Monsters Among Us, and American Monsters. 
She's had her own field encounters with cryptids and is a frequent guest on national TV and radio shows. Joining us now is Linda S. Godfrey. And Linda, welcome back to the Exxon. It's been a while since you've been with us. Yes, it's just a pleasure to be back with you and your listeners. Thanks so much for having me again. So what have you been up to since you and I last talked? <laughs> oh, books, field uh, excursions, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of things going on. Uh, ta- always taping different, I think I taped three different um, types of TV shows in mm-hmm. the last year, something like that. So I, I get around a little bit. And I just finished um, a book um, about a few weeks ago. And I'm waiting for the final acceptance with the publisher. But um, I'm kind of excited about it because it tackles some really interesting subjects that I haven't gotten into before that are sort of related to to the dog man type of thing. And uh, I think it'll cause a little bit of a stir. So I'm hoping that comes out soon. Always up to the publisher. Always up to the publisher. Isn't that the truth? Linda, for the listeners who may not have had the pleasure of hearing you the last time you were with us, tell us what led you to be interested in the topic of dogman or werewolves, Bigfoot, and other mysterious creatures. Well, it's a surprise to me still 27 (laughs) years later, but it was nothing I ever expected. I Mm -hmm. was working as a reporter and cartoonist for a county newspaper in Walworth County, Wisconsin. That's right on the border with Illinois. And I heard from just some people that I knew Mm -hmm. that people in my own little hometown of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, were saying that out on the edge of town, on this four-mile-long road, were this thing that people were trying to describe. And thing was the word that they were using. They would say, well, I saw this thing. I don't know what it was, but if there were such a thing as werewolves, this would be it. And when I found out that our county animal control officer had a manila file folder in his desk that he showed me, opened it up, and it's full of reports from these people Mm -hmm. who have been phoning in their, their sightings. And I thought right away, this isn't any hoax because people who want to play a joke or uh, you know, hoax something, do not call the local authorities and give them all of their contact info. You know, and moreover, there were a number of them. They ran the gamut from um, junior high kids to an elderly lady, um, people of all sorts of income and uh, cultural background and what have you. And it, you know, it just was not like a cohesive group of, of people you'd expect plotting to, to play a big trick. And when I went to talk to them, they seemed like they were telling the truth. Um, I did not think any of them were lying. Some of them still seemed rather scared. Mm-hmm. And so we put together a story. I, I wrote up my interviews with them, uh, did kind of a hasty sketch describing or showing what one woman had described. I've often wished that I'd known how far that sketch was going to be published and republished. I would have tried to have spent more time on it. But I did this, and my editor and I thought, People would have fun with it around here, and then it would go away. Well, it never did. It exploded into Associated Press, and then it went national. We had TV stations, radio stations calling me around the clock. Um, There were busloads of tourists coming up from Illinois to ride the bus down Bray Road and and, uh, take a bar tour, get Silver Bullet specials. You know, it it had become this media phenomenon. Um, Inside Edition came out, and other uh, an early sci-fi show. So it went national. So, just so, so tell me, with all, with all this attention being brought to this, this um, 
this creature. Has it ever been seen again? Yes. Oh, yeah. There are sightings, um, you know, up to just about present times. The big um, flurry of sightings and reports, which actually, the when, when people call in, they're not always calling because they just saw something. Uh, some of these sightings were 10 years old already. Mm-hmm. So um, we had this big, but we had a big clump or cluster of sightings, and then it's kind of smoothed out since then. Every once in a while, someone will sight it. And I don't believe that every sighting by any means is reported. And the big thing, there were several big takeaways from this whole thing. One was that um, I learned it was not just a local phenomenon because people started calling me from all over the place, other countries even. You know, so I realized it was something bigger than just one little town's uh, pet monster, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it. And then the other one was that um, people were terribly, terribly interested in it, and much beyond my expectation. And I went for 10 years before I thought, okay, something has got to put be all put together. And that was when my first book on the subject came out back in uh, 2003. So it was about 10 years that I just worked at the newspaper. And every time after that, that something would get published, another book, it would bring another whole, whole spate of sightings. And I realized the depth of it, and I began to see patterns in it and began to study it, you know, in in different ways rather than just reporting these stories. How come it hasn't been identified or captured yet uh, on on film with, you know, with bringing that all-conclusive smoking gun photograph or video that, that actually need to be seen by not only members of the paranormal community, but the members of the public and by the scientific community? Right. That's always the $64,000 question. And, you know, it's exactly the same thing with any other hidden or cryptid animal, such as mm-hmm. Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. We never get the great the great proving photograph that says, yep, this is it. Or, or right now, video would probably sure. be the more appropriate. You, you can't where you can't deny it. You know, you have to admit, yes, they exist. This mm-hmm. is it. We don't know why. Uh, There are a lot of theories. Uh, One theory is that all of these creatures exist in sort of a partly here, partly there into the next uh, zone of of living or another realm or whatever, and so that they are unable to be photographed perfectly by our instruments. But but is that a factor? Is that a way of the believers getting away out of the coin, you know, getting away from from the reality of actually having to prove it? That's a fair question, and I think that it's it's kind of both. You know, you can set up some scientific um, uh, oh paradigms to to show that, but it is probably the only thing that we can come up with that really um, you know points that direction. The other direction is that people are just always, all the time, and, and I don't think this is possible because of the, the hundreds and hundreds, and if you get into Bigfoot too, thousands of sightings of these things. It can't always be someone hoaxing it. It cannot always be someone but catching a glimpse of um, a bear if or there, a shadow. If there know, are so many like people out there, how come nobody's taken the picture? How come nobody's got the proof? How come there hasn't been a cadaver found? It's impossible to answer that right now. You know, I, I don't know the answer mm-hmm. to that. Like I said, there are sure. there are theories. Um, it's one thing I wonder about personally, and I've tackled this in many of my books, because I can't help but notice that 
and I have I have trail cams. I've worked with people using multiple trail cams, mm-hmm. and in almost every instance, they're thwarted. But something like uh, a cougar comes along, which is an equally elusive animal, right. or a bear, and they're perfect. You know, in their their perfect two D glory on the film where the but wouldn't that wouldn't that suggest to to somebody that all right, if a cougar can get photographed, if a bear can get photographed, if in fact there was a cryptid that they too would get photographed and yet they never do. So how can we take this seriously? Well, you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's the thing that I keep mm-hmm. looking at. And on the other hand, it's the thing that keeps me very curious. If it shouldn't be there, you know, and there are other things that tell me that too. Um, you know, I've talked to wildlife experts and wolf experts all over the United States asking if they have ever tagged and collared a group of wolves or whatever that then they saw walk upright as a matter of natural course, and they haven't. So all of these things say, no, it shouldn't be here, and all yet... All right, Linda, we've got to take our break. Please stand by. Exonation Linda Godfrey is our guest, www.lindagodfrey.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Godfrey is my guest this hour, Exonation. We're talking about hmm, everything from Dogman to Bigfoot here on the Exxon. Her website is www.lindagodfrey.com. Why do you think, without any evidence, that so many people take Bigfoot and other cryptids seriously? Well, because they keep seeing them, or people keep seeing them. Mm-hmm. And that is actually what keeps me interested and curious. Um, there are just so many people who've seen them. You know, for a long time, I knew people who had seen these things personally. I've since had a couple of experiences myself, and I still don't think that I can say what they are. All I know is that they're nothing else that you could possibly recognize as being from this earth, and they are there to some extent. Um, Native American friends that I've talked with uh, from different tribes have all told me approximately the same thing, which is that both the dog man and the Bigfoot are what they would originally call spirit animals that come from um, another world and that they're able to visit here. And when they're here, they're completely blood and, you know, blood and, and uh, flesh type creatures that need to eat and do other things, but they can go back when they want to. And that there's a sliding scale between full reality here and what we would call unreality when they're you know at this other place and actually that makes the most amount of sense given all of the different things that people describe seeing but again it's just um, so many people that seem like sober credible um, you know people who aren't trying to, to hoax or do anything mm-hmm. else have seen them and keep seeing them that's what keeps me trying to figure out why why is that what are they seeing there must be something well, you must admit that uh, the paranormal industry is a good cash cow for people, as well as municipalities and 
And and uh, other people who seem to make a dollar off anything that that can be labeled paranormal. And it seems that the longer these claims are made of the existence of, for example, Bigfoot and Dogman Loch Ness Monster, and no proof is being supplied, the more skeptical and disbelieving the rest of the public is. Well, that's true, although it does... I've kind of noticed that this sort of thing seems to run in cycles, mm-hmm. um, starting um, maybe in these these modern times. You could say Ivan Sanderson, who started out, um, he was very well educated in, in many scientific fields and started out writing articles on Bigfoot for men's magazines. And eventually um, his generation kind of died and then it started up again. And and there have been like three or four of these cycles. And in between people, it, it kind of goes away and then it comes back. So um, all this recent interest in Bigfoot and, and even the Dogman is not a new thing. Um, it seems to kind of come and go and catches people's interest. And a lot of the times it, it really is because people um, know someone who's had an experience. They believe them. Often it's a family member mm-hmm. or someone like that. Um, um, and... It's, it's just the sharing of the experience and thinking it can't be a complete planet of all liars, you know, and, and they do leave some evidence, you know, with Bigfoot, especially you get the tracks, although I'm always on the alert for, for hoaxes and mm-hmm. they can be faked. You have to be very careful sure can, yeah. and, and selective. What other but, kind of evidence has been found to support the claims of the cryptids uh, in, in our society? Well, you do get some Films, for instance, the the Gimlin Patterson film that was made in the '60s, oh, yeah. um, that showed the female. Uh, you know, there's a this is still really controversial. Sure I think is. the jury is still out. Um, you know, but a lot of people say, well, back in the '60s, you wouldn't have had such a sophisticated suit as it would take for this um, creature to be shown for the. Well, the what of what time about it when you get people like Bob Hieronymus who says that he was in the in right. that suit and who passed several lie detector tests. Right, but yeah, and yet you but, know, Gimlin never took a lie detector test. Patterson refused. So yeah, I know. so what I know. does that it's, say? That's why I say it's it's very controversial still to this mm-hmm. day. But on the other hand, the first um, episode of Monster Quest that I did, they asked me to go out and round up whatever Bigfoot or uh, Wolfman witnesses I could find that we could get to go through this mm-hmm. through the process in uh, a room one, in one day. And we had um, seven people from all different walks of life, and every single one of them passed uh, the the uh, lie detector test with flying colors, much to the producer's surprise. They thought, sure, there were a couple of people in there who wouldn't, and every single one of them showed no evidence of deception. And they had gotten a, a top-tier um, person to, to who worked for different... Uh, municipalities in Minnesota and especially Minneapolis, um, who was well known for his expertise. They didn't have just, you know, your next door neighbor with some old machine. He had the state of the art mm-hmm. digital polygraphs to use and every single one of them passed. So when you've got people passing polygraph tests on both sides, um, and these were people who had many of them had very close up daylight, um, you know, long enough sightings that they were sure that they saw what they saw. And, and yet no photos. And yet, no photos. All the all these years, and now with everyone having a, an iPhone or a handheld device that has, 
you know, high definition photo capabilities in it. We're still not seeing any ho- any photos. In fact, we're seeing fewer now than there were in the past. Yeah, I think people, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. people um, are realizing, well, they're realizing if they've got something that's just a, a, a fuzzy looking brown thing in the picture that is not worth submitting. Nobody's going to take them seriously. But it is very, very much more difficult to catch a good picture from um, a moving car of a moving creature than you might imagine. Uh, last week on Wednesday, uh, what well, was a week ago, my husband and I saw a green fireball mm-hmm. go momentarily over the road uh, up in the sky when we were driving home about 9 p.m. And before we could move or do anything, we both saw it very clearly. And moreover, our descriptions of it were affirmed by over 100 other sightings that occurred unknown to us in four states. It's in the American Meteor Society site. Mm-hmm. And there was absolutely no way I could have aimed my, taken my cell phone, aimed it, and gotten a good shot of that. And I've also spent time, um, I spent one evening in a place where there were four different um, confirmed sightings. And a friend of mine had a police camera that she had borrowed from a relative of hers for nighttime um, shots, and we drove all around slowly. We saw different animals. We saw a deer. We saw a fox from fairly close range, expecting it with the camera out the window. And none of these shots turned out like you would want them to or expect them to if we caught the animal at all. It's it's very difficult to do. Not that it shouldn't. People shouldn't keep trying. And actually, we would have had the um, video of that meteor had I been. Uh, had we been in my car, which has a dash cam on it, mm-hmm. and some people did catch um, videos of that particular meteor that that matched, by the way. So um, I'm I'm hoping that with all the dash cams and other uh, now they've got little cameras you can put on your glasses and just tap them, that sooner or later we'll get something that um, works. You and know, that, and that what works happens? The- what happens if you don't? Well, perhaps it all goes away. I don't know. You know, and I've always been from the very beginning mm-hmm. uh, trying to keep my reporter's hat on and not be invested in one answer or the other. Um, I always try and give all the views of it that I can think of for any given instance and then allow people to have their own opinions. And if it did turn out that for some grand reason there was a great scheme that all these people were hoaxing, or um, that some mass delusion had overtaken that nobody mm-hmm. ever had known of before. If that's what it ended up being, well, then I would accept that. So but, how, do we, how do we explain the fact that there are so many people who believe in ghosts, UFOs, uh, cryptids, lake monsters, um, and the list goes on and on and on. Let's just take uh, the example of in Southern California, in uh, Southern L.A., there's 1,300 ghost groups. Well, mm-hmm. across the United States, there are over 300,000 ghost investigators. And I'm sure there's the equal number of ufologists as well as the same number for Bigfoot enthusiasts and so on and so forth. So you've got all of these people out mm-hmm. there. Nobody is coming up with any proof. It's to me, to me, as, as an investigator... If, I would, if this was a criminal case that I used to investigate in the police force, it would have me looking and saying, you know what? Something is desperately wrong with this case. If, the, if we can't find any of the suspects, then mm-hmm. we have to start looking at the people who are reporting the crime and seeing if they themselves are doing this for attention. 
Right, and that does get, you know, people are always asking me how I vet the people that I talk to. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's something that you have to be very, very careful of. I worked for a newspaper for 10 years, which mm -hmm. helped a lot um, in doing that kind of thing. I can't afford to give polygraph tests, which can cost like around $1,000 yeah. to every person that I talk to, you know. So I have to do the best I can. If I have any doubt at all or it's something that's really way, way out there, I have people um, sign their their names to sort of an affidavit type of thing. And I know David Paulides with the 411, Missing 411 does that um, quite regularly. It's really all you can do. And then you have to leave it up to people to make up their own minds as but, to whether they, they believe it. All right. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Linda, thanks very much for joining us. And Exonation Linda Godfrey's website is www.lindagodfrey.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're talking about cryptids. We're talking about a lot more as the topic has opened up. Are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Send me your reply in an email. In the subject, put skeptic or believer and send it to exxon at exxonradiotv.com. Speaking about Exxon TV, check out the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV at www.simultv.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Linda Godfrey is my very special guest. Her website is www.lindagodfrey.com. Linda, there was a, there's a TV show where you've got these yahoos with guns actually going out trying to kill Bigfoot, and then you've got Tom Biscardi and his group of yahoos who just go out there, and they've already been caught hoaxing. What does this do for the credibility of the Bigfoot encrypted in, uh, I was going to say industry, but the cryptid uh, Bigfoot phenomena? Well, it doesn't help, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, and obviously different researchers and investigators, you know, have different methods and do different things, but um, this sort of thing is really frowned on by the large mass of, of reporters, investigators, and certainly any that, that I know or work with. You know, it just sets everything back. It makes people, people will look at one fraud or hoax exposed and say, oh, well, then none of the other ones could yeah. be right, you know, which isn't a great way to look at it either, but that's often what you hear. Um, so I, I don't think that it's it's a great thing at all for, for anyone. Plus, I think it does disrespect those witnesses who have genuinely, genuinely believed that they've seen something, who have um, come out of their shells to sort of, you know, put some trust in that uh, their stories will at least be mm -hmm. listened to. And it sort of takes that away from them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of, a, kind of a rotten thing to do. Why are these people called researchers and investigators? They, they have taken no training in to be a researcher. They certainly have no training whatsoever into the true art and the science of investigation. Why aren't they just called hobbyists? Because that's all they are. Well, some are. Um, some people do this full time and, uh, you know, would argue that they are much more than a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, to me, I don't ever claim to be an expert right. because I don't think enough is known about these things. Mm -hmm. To call myself an expert, I call myself a longtime student of the topic and of, of the incidents and, and events and 
as much as we can tell about the creatures, which is a different thing. And when people say I'm a researcher, they're they're not saying uh, you know that that they have the same thing as you know a, a master's degree or that they've been specially trained. But when you're going out um, and seeking glimpses of the creatures, seeking um, any sort of evidence, um, you are researching in a way. It may not be up to snuff with many professional organizations of other types of study, but but it is a, a type of research. And I, I think people, have, if they're out doing the work, they have a right to call themselves that. I disagree with you. I, re- I really, okay. I, I really I, do. I, I, you know, I spent a number of years in the police force learning how to be an investigator and to hear these people call themselves investigators. You know, to it's it's a joke. It's a laugh. At the very best, you're a hobbyist, whether you do it full time or part time, because you don't know anything about the surroundings. I I don't know any anybody who does this part time or who's in it for the for the thrill of the of the sighting, who has the corresponding knowledge besides the fact that they're going to look for a Bigfoot or, or some other cryptid. They're not, they're not schooled in the sciences. So this is why I can't understand why they call themselves investigators and not hobbyists. You know, the way I look at the paranormal these days, after having more than 4,600 separate interviews on all the topics of the paranormal, is that paranormal, uh, paranormal study, research, whatever you want to call it, in the year 2018 is no different from the CB craze of the 60s, where everybody had to have a CB in their car. They'd all meet at a coffee shop and talk to each other car to car using their CB radios. Nothing has changed. I've been doing this for 28 years now, five nights a week, four hours a night, and still no proof whatsoever of any of the aspect of the paranormal. People say, well, Rob, why do you keep doing it? Because I want to see if there is anything out there. And if there isn't anything out there, I want to see what all these different uh, organizations are going to do. For example, you find Bigfoot. Then what? You prove that the ghosts are real. Then what? Do people think that far ahead in all these different camps? Well, you mean then what as far as what would they do? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Um, I think that people do think that far ahead, and I think that, you know, if that proof came, it would be sort of a really world-changing event that would change everyone. Right. Um, I don't think, I don't know anybody, and I know a lot of people who are sort of at the core that are not mm-hmm. dilettantes that, you know, do study, and there are there are things that you can study and learn about this that, that um, you know, I know a lot, I feel I know more over the past 27 years than I did when I started, that's for sure, oh, even though I can't pronounce granted. what these creatures are. But um, as far as there being some terrible crushing end, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think people will just be more excited. Depends on what that explanation is, if it ever mm-hmm. is arrived at. You so, know, and, so, and so tell I me, how long, are, how long is society supposed to put up with the, with the notion that there may be something out there. There isn't. And how long can these TV shows survive when they, you know, when it's always the same thing? Shaky night shot. People who, you know, 
really have no idea about what the real, in my opinion, what the real world is about. You're out there in the middle of the forest. You're saying all these stupid things. People who want to believe, believe. You can't take that away from them. But how long is the public and the rest of society supposed to put up with these kind of things? Because if it wasn't for the Internet, would the interest in the paranormal be as strong as it is today? Well, I think that the Internet magnifies it and somewhat downgrades it and sensationalizes it, as do many of the TV shows yeah. that, that come on nowadays. You know, I think that's one big factor. But um, there always has been some sort of paranormal, some sort of sense that there's more than just we flesh and blood humans with our five senses and that people have always been interested in it. You just didn't have it quite to the widespread degree that it is now. But, I mean, what would you do, Rob, if if all of this was, say, proven, proven or disproven tomorrow or, or proven to be a big, a big crack? Would you just end your show? Oh, no, because there'd always be something else to talk about. See, <laughs> there is always something else. If it, you know, like my my life does not revolve around the paranormal. It doesn't. I do other shows. I do news shows. I do news features. Mm -hmm. So my life isn't embedded in the paranormal. My life is embedded in reality. Well, and, I could say the same thing for myself. Sure. You know, I I have. I'm an artist. I actually um, would. I have plans to do some things in some other fields yeah. and go back to other interests of mm -hmm. mine. But it, if this were all answered, that would be fine for me. I would just say thank you very much. This is what I've wanted to know for 27 mm -hmm. years, and I'm glad I got to see it. So, And I think a lot of, of um, people in this believe the same way. And, you know, there are a lot of people in the sciences. I know um, chemists and biologists and all sorts of people who are very interested in these things. Who do take part, and there also are um, a wide fringe element of people who are just kind of excited, you know, who have no clue um, really what they're doing, or they just want to go see some strange animal. You see, and these are the people, the people on the fringe, that mm -hmm. are destroying any credibility that the rest have built up. They do make it difficult. Oh, and sure they do. I got, yeah, I got a, a message just yesterday saying. We want, me and some guys want to go out and see the Beast of Bray Road. Can you tell us where it is, you know, so we have the best chance of seeing it? Right. And, and can we park there? And I have to say, no, if I knew where it was, I would go there right now with a full <laughs> video array and completely, you know, nail that thing. Yeah. And they don't really get that, you know. It's, it's like they think it's going to Disney World and being able to expect to see Mickey Mouse standing there waving at you as you as you enter, and that's just not what happens. You know, and I think this is when the public sees the this type of attitude, whether it's on television or, or any of these conventions, that they really get leery, as well as mainstream media mm -hmm, is not sure. paying, is paying next to no attention to the paranormal because it's all talk. There's no evidence. There's no smoking gun. Well, and sometimes the media is very quick to um, jump on this sort of thing mm -hmm. and raise their own ratings, too. There was a photograph that was going around a few weeks ago that was supposed to have been taken by somebody driving along Gray Road. Yeah. And that this creature was coming up from the ditch, and it hit, oh, I don't know, four area newspapers that I saw it in. 
be, that must not have even looked at the picture because every reputable um, person that I know in the field looked at it and went fake, 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 fake. You know, there were like just so many um, giveaways mm -hmm. that um, it was very easy to, to tell. And yet all of these newspapers had just jumped on it. Excuse me, my dog, my dog somehow made it into um, where I'm working here. Sure, no problem. So it's not a piece of gray road. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you and I have to take our final break. Please stand by, Exxon Nation. Our guest this hour is Linda Godfrey www.lindagodfrey.com and Linda and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget you can um, you can get your complimentary copy of the X-Chronicles newspaper at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com and for all the shows, times, and topics that are available on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And finally, the last little bit of pitch I'm going to do here right now is for my good friends at Simul TV. Check out the Exxon TV channel and the great shows, the great other shows. Plus, if you're um, part of Simul TV, you also get 500. Is it 500 video games that are included? Check it out, simultv.com. Linda Godfrey is my guest, www.lindagodfrey.com. Linda, what do we know about these, these, these creatures? Um, do they... Do they live in uh, organized uh, homes do, or neighborhoods? Do they stay together? How do they treat their young? What do they eat? Uh, all these interesting questions that, that I'm sure some of our listeners may have. Well, are you talking about the upright canines or Bigfoot? Well, or the, big, Bigfoot particularly. Well, Bigfoot particularly, um, there, there are many more Bigfoot sightings than there are of the upright canines. They've been going on for very long a uh, very long time, and I think we have a lot more um, kind of collective data about them. Um, they seem to be very omnivorous. Um, they're often seen carrying, uh, say, a quarter quarter of a deer, running with it over their shoulder, mm -hmm. but they're just as often seen doing things like collecting cattails um, to dry and, and eat or picking berries, that sort of thing. So they seem to be sort of like whatever a bear would eat. It's probably a good place for Bigfoot. Um, they do seem to live in small social groups, from what people have said. They've been sighted uh, numerous times with uh, one or two other companions, very often with um, small ones mm -hmm. or even, even uh, babies in, in their arms. Um, I know of a woman who is a professional who um, has a, a sort of a ranch, and they have uh, sometimes carcasses that are out in the back of it. And she didn't. She has not allowed her name to be used, but she has seen several of them come out at twilight to those carcass piles, set a little one down in the snow, pick up what they wanted, and then pick the little one back up and run back off with it. And uh, this is a, a person who is highly, highly credible, I'll just say that about her, and has not really wanted this to be aired or even talked about. 
Um, so we, we know that they seem to have family groups. We know that they're very omnivorous. They seem to be more interested in defending their own territory, scaring people away than they are in actively, you know, pursuing and, and aggressively chasing people or, you know, acting like the, the boogeyman they're sometimes presented to be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, just uh, just to tell me why this lady who has all this evidence doesn't want to come forward. Because she does not want to be um, laughed at and ridiculed. That's the main thing. She has a professional job um, with a reputation to keep Mm -hmm. and um, does not want to be laughed at. And that's really very, very universal among witnesses. There are so many that um, do not come forward or they'll just, you know, make make you swear that you will never release anything about their name or way to identify them because they don't want other people to know that they had this experience. Does she take pictures of, of what she sees? Well, she, she saw, she saw at one time, mm-hmm. saw some evidence another time, you know, the prints. Right. And um, they actually moved the carcass pile at one point. So it's not in the same position or, or area for her. Um, there have been some other changes right. at the site where that took place. So, and of course, when she first saw it, she didn't have a camera on her. It was probably 10 years ago. Not everybody, um, especially over the age of 15 at that time, was, was hauling around our um, cell phones like we're all taught to do now. So she, she didn't have one. What do you think Bigfoot is? Oh, that's, it, it's so hard to answer. I think that it is a real entity. I'm not sure whether it is able to somehow coexist in um, the world that our five senses detect along with some, uh, you know, and you start you start having to resort to sort of airy-fairy words because, um, you know, I'm not a scientist by any means, but mm-hmm. into the next realm or dimension or electromagnetic, um, what, whatever you'd want to call it, it, it seems to be just a step beyond everything else that's normal and known on this planet. You know, the longer I study them and learn about them, and yet there are a lot of people who've had very close-up looks at them and say, no, they're just flesh and blood. They Mm -hmm. just, you know, are very intelligent, and they have some skills that we don't have in order to keep away from us and and hide. So how do we justify the, the the different opinions of people who have had contact with these creatures? Shouldn't the opinion well, be the same? Shouldn't the description be the same? Shouldn't be the actions be the same? I think that most people who see them at least will um, agree that they're flesh and blood mm-hmm. at the time of the sighting, most often or otherwise. They probably wouldn't, wouldn't be seen, but will still allow that they can have this other dimensional quality to them. So, um, Do we the, put the dimensional quality in there just because we don't understand where they go? <laughs> Probably, I mean, we really don't. If they can go somewhere, you know, like I said, many, many Native Americans that I know say it's a, it's a very long-held tradition in their tribe and just taken as a matter of, of fact mm-hmm. um, by many of them today that they do, can and do go somewhere else. But how, how can we take long-standing mythologies and that, that were created hundreds of years ago and apply them to the world today? You know, isn't that called the Santa Claus Syndrome? Well, yeah, yeah, and actually my book that I just wrote sort of deals with this whole topic, mm-hmm. and it's sort of the cyclic version, uh, or the, 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 the cycles of 
myth and legend that usually there's um, kind of an architect, or excuse me, an, Young would call it an, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I need some water just a second. Sure. Please. An archetype mm -hmm. is the word I was trying to get out there that um, people who are familiar with Jungian psychology would, would understand is a type of being or person or creature that's sort of um, universal to all human consciousness for, for whatever reason. And that there were these ancient myths. Some people believe they come from this archetype. Some people believe we were they were actual beings of some type that begat their own myths and legends. And then when um, contemporary people see these strange things, they immediately are able to label them with one of these old myths. And then as these things go forward, they sort of beget their own myths. You know, the Beast of Bray Road legend, there was no inkling or no long time history of it. People saying that there were upright canines walking around on Bray Road before these sightings came out, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it's become legend. And that's actually one of the big things that interested me about this as a journalist was I realized that I was having the rare opportunity to witness a legend in the making. And no matter what it turned out to be, I had no idea what I would find or wouldn't find. That alone to me was really worthwhile uh, studying and, and worth, worth it to get things down as people were observing them and what was happening in the town. And I still think that is a big and important part of studies of any of these creatures. So what did you find? <laughs> well, I found that it didn't seem to be a hoax. I found that there were many more people, again. Did you find any seen. evidence? Did you find any physical evidence? Um, I have actually found what look like very large canine prints. I've got uh, photographs of some of them up in different places um, that really can't be identified as anything else. Um, it's really hard for for the dog man because they don't look like they're anything but canine. You know, I don't believe that they're part human or anything like that. I don't believe if you found their DNA that it would probably show up as anything other than some type of a large wolf or wolf-dog hybrid. Bigfoot's a little different. Um, you know, if, if you found a dead Bigfoot, you would know what you had. And if you got the, well, the trouble is that there's no standard for DNA to be compared to it. They can only say, they can't say, yes, this matches um, the DNA profile of a Bigfoot because nobody's ever established that. Right. They would just have to say, well, this is some unknown primate, probably. So um, even if you do get the evidence, again, you know, it, it, it sounds like a cop-out to a skeptic, but it, it's just dealing with what you have to I, go I, on. I don't think it just sounds like a cop-out to a skeptic. It sounds like a cop-out to anyone who can add one and one equaling <laughs> two. Yeah. Well, and you know, like I always say, if you do think these things are bogus and you're not interested, go learn about something else. You know, there it's a wonderful wide world with, you know, the known, we yeah. don't know what's living at the bottom of our oceans in terms of actual real known animals. You're right. You know, it, it's, it's huge. There's a huge wide area. This interests me. Maybe it won't interest you. But still on the other side of the coin, if you're out there telling people about what interests you, and you're making it public, then those who don't believe have every right to challenge your belief. They do. Yeah. They do. And I've always said, you know, uh, a healthy skepticism or um, 
unbelief that at least allows me to present my side as mm -hmm. you're doing never bothers me. Yeah. You know, because there are lots of things that other people may think are great that I don't believe in, you know, and and that's the wonderful thing about having living in a country where we have freedom of speech and the ability to believe in as we choose and, and speak about things as we choose. But I, I certainly don't expect everybody in the world to mm -hmm. believe it. Um, I know that when I first heard about it, I remember laughing. I thought it was ridiculous. Right. You know, so I can certainly understand that some people just wouldn't continue to make that journey. All right, Linda, you and I have to say so long for tonight. We have run out of time talking about dogs that walk standing up and Bigfoots who have never been found. Or even found traces of. And when people start talking about the Gimlin-Patterson film, to me this is a red flag that, once again, people see what they want to see. People believe what they want to believe. The fact that there has never been any evidence found to substantiate any of the claims made by members of the paranormal community proves to me that there's nothing there, gang. And I'm going to stay doing this job until you, the members of the paranormal community, have the ability to look and say to yourself and the rest of the world, you know what? You guys were right. We were wrong. There are no UFOs. There are no ghosts. There are no Bigfoot and so on and so on and so on. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a scary movie victim. Oh no, a tree fell on my car, and there's only one thing to do. Trip over my own feet and pull myself across the lawn while yelling help at a barely audible volume. Help. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but you filed a claim with GEICO, so you've got a designated claims team to help you. This GEICO sounds suspiciously reassuring. Are you sure I don't end up getting surprised with an unexpected twist? Just that your GEICO team will always be there to keep you updated. No! What is it? Oh, nothing. I just didn't see that coming. GEICO. Great service without all the drama. 